Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. I'm Michelle Morris, the lead pastor here at First United Methodist Church in Bentonville, and today we are hearing what I like to call the State of the Church Address, and we're doing so in a frame of thanksgiving. Uh, We're going to use 1 Thessalonians, which is one of Paul's letters. And, you know, if you've read a lot of Paul's letters, he's not always very gracious. (laughs) Not always very thankful. (laughs) But 1 Thessalonians is just really a love letter to people. And a great, great thank you. And as I read these words today, I want you to hear them not only as Paul's words to the Thessalonians, but I would say these words to you. So hear now the word of the Lord. We always thank God for all of you when we mention you constantly in our prayers. This is because we remember your work that comes from faith, your effort that comes from love, and your perseverance that comes from hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. Brothers and sisters, you are loved by God, and we know that he has chosen you. We know this because our good news didn't come to you just in speech, but also with power and the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know as well as we do what kind of people we were when we were with you, which was for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord when you accepted the message that came from the Holy Spirit with joy in spite of great suffering. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The message about the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place. The news about your faithfulness to God has spread so that we don't even need to mention it. People tell us about what sort of welcome we had from you and how you turned to God from idols. As a result, you are serving the living and true God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So we need to straighten up some confusing things about the calendar in Christianity because because we might ask ourselves, when is the end of the year? And in fact, in this church, we have three ends of the year. We have the calendar end of the year, which will be December 31st. We'll follow along and we will have a worship service on that day and we will have actually a covenant worship service on that day to to prepare us for the calendar year that's before us. We have a budget year, an appointive year here that, that starts on July 1st and ends June 30th. So that's another year that we have in our church. And then as Christians, we have the Christian year, which starts the first Sunday of Advent and ends on Christ the King Sunday. Those are not the same Sundays. There's six days in there that nobody claims. We'll just just ignore those for now. Um, But but, uh, today is Christ the King Sunday. So tomorrow, Happy New Year (laughs) to you all. 
Especially on this day when we celebrate what it is that our faith means to us and how Christ moves in our life and what Christ empowers us to do, I think it's important for us to take time to stop and reflect on who we are and how we are doing as a church. And so that's what brings us to what I call the state of the church moment here. But in order to get a sense of the state of the church, I think we need to pull way back and look from a 20,000-foot view at the state of the Christian church in our world and then drill down from there. So I was gone for two weeks, and I was actually at a couple of events for the annual conference, and then I was at the Society of Biblical Literature and the American Academy of Religion annual meeting. Yes, it is super nerd fest, right? <laughs> it was very good for my soul and very dangerous for my staff because I come back with all kinds of ideas. But, um, <laughs> but uh, at that, one of the things that those are all scholars of religion in the Bible. And so their job is to study the state of religion and the Bible in our world. And what came up over and over and over as I was going to different presentations at that conference is that we're facing two significant crises in our nation today. One is the pandemic of loneliness. We have become so disconnected from each other in meaningful community and relationship that is actually causing a huge detriment in our society. It is contributing to a rise in mental health crises. Uh, it is also contributing to a vast number of physical ailments. The Surgeon General for the United States, Dr. Vivek Murthy, said that disconnection is as dangerous as smoking for humans and that a result of extended disconnection from others results in a 60% greater likelihood of premature death. A 60% greater likelihood of premature death. So that's one of our crises that we have before us. The other crisis that we have is an existential crisis. What does it mean to be human? As we see a rise in AI, as technology is taking over more and more of what we identified as our purpose in life, now we are having to step back and ask, oh, wait a minute. What is my purpose? What is it that is special about me, that's meaningful about me? Why am I here? We're in a deep and profound moment where Many people are asking those questions. The interesting thing is that religion exists, at least in part, to address those two crises. Religion is about forming community around shared views and ideals and nurturing one another and caring for one another. And religion is about answering the question of purpose. What does it mean to have a life that we have? So that's the state of kind of our broad view of our nation. Now if we look at the state of the United Methodist Church. This is an anxious space for us right now, but I want to share with you that since disaffiliation started in 2019, roughly about 20% of the United Methodist Churches have disaffiliated. That's not a full schism. A schism would look much more like 50%. So we have lost about 20%. The greatest amount of loss has taken place in the southeast and south-central jurisdiction, um, which we are in the south-central jurisdiction. The northeast, the north-central, and the western jurisdiction have had almost no disaffiliation of note. But southeast and south-central have had a significant number. Now, within the south-central jurisdiction, there are 12 annual conferences, of which Arkansas is one. And I have good news before you today. We have one of the best numbers 
as far as numbers of churches disaffiliating. There were only two other conferences as of September. We had a few more disaffiliations since then, but as of September, there were only two more conferences in the South Central jurisdiction that lost fewer people than we did, and that was um, Missouri and the Oklahoma Indian Missionary Conference, which Oklahoma Indian Missionary Conference lost zero churches. Um, you don't leave the tribe. <laughs> That's just all there is to it, right? And so they, they held. And, and Missouri had about 14%, and we're going to end up having roughly about 20%. And we're basically tied with North Texas on the number of churches that, that we've lost, or at least percentage. So that's good news for our conference, really. It's really good news to be a Southern conference and to have held that strongly speaks to our connection with one another and our commitment to each other. That being said, though, the conference is still facing the challenge of a loss of resources and a loss of numbers, and so they are looking at, this is one of the things that we talked about at one of the conference meetings that I was at, they're looking at having to cut a million dollars out of the conference budget, which is hefty. And, you know, most of the churches have had to do this too, just realities of pandemic and then any church that went through disaffiliation conversations, even if they didn't leave, suffered loss from those conversations. So they're doing what many churches have had to do. And our new bishop, Bishop Laura Merrill, wanted to get a sense from people as to what the priorities for the conference should be. As they look at what they need to cut, what do they need to hold on to? So they asked us about that novel idea. And what came back is that there needs to still be strong administration at the conference level. There needs to be a focus on children and youth. There needs to be significant nurturing, vetting, and appointing of clergy at the conference level. And the conference needs to do better at keeping us connected to one another. So there's a real passion for maintaining our connection. So that gives us a sense of where we sit in the United Methodist Church. Now let's look at us. Now let's reflect on where we are. And I want to do this by looking at where we were a year ago and where we are now on some things, okay? So a year ago, we had cut our associate pastor position. Did that as part of our um, aligning our budget uh, move. And, and there, I, I heard from a lot of people. A lot of my friends especially were like, are you crazy? You can't, you can't not have an associate. And I was like, hey, y'all, I think it's going to be okay. I had a real sense of peace and trust about it. And then what happened when we cut our associate is that Ray discerns a call to ministry, right? And then Jonna moves in as a certified lay minister. And then Don Hall and Sarah Bainbridge step forward as retired pastors and said, whatever you need, I'm here to help you. And then Kristen discerned a call to ministry. And Michelle Amos discerned a call to ministry. And then Jake Cock and Lauren Floyd and Jody and Michael Burks and Marsha Patterson and Wesley Wells and Angie Barrington all trained as lay servants. And then, of course, when it came to preaching, we have Liz Emus, who was already in the process, who stepped forward and has preached for us, as has Bill come forward, who was a long time ago trained lay servant. I reactivated him. <laughs> right? And Bill came forward. And then Brooke Tilly offered us a message in the Generation series. And within that, we have had retired pastors moved in. We've had pastors who had a call in another denomination who have realized their call did not fit there anymore, and they have come, and they're now in our congregation, and they have told me, whatever you need, I will help. Y'all, last count, I have 20 people in this congregation who could step into this pulpit, right? 
We do not serve a God of scarcity. We serve a God of abundance, right? This time last year, we had commitments to pay off our debt. In March, we burned the note and are debt-free. Yep. (laughs) And this fall, we restructured our bank accounts, which cut our fees and increased our interest average from 0.5% to 5% average. So now our money is working a lot better for us. Uh, We also have currently two months of expenses in the bank. I would love to get that to at least three. Actually, I'd really love to get it to six, but everybody tells me that's crazy. But, you know, people told me I was crazy for cutting the associate, and look what happened. But we have two months of expenses in the bank and are in a much healthier financial space. Last year, we submitted a $40,000 deficit budget, which we came in right about at $40,000 deficit. Uh, This year, we've submitted a balanced budget which we are on track for. We are a a smidge ahead on giving, and expenses are overall on budget. And so that also speaks to our financial strength as well. Last year, any given week, our youth attendance averaged five. Now our youth attendance is averaging 17. Yeah. That's over a 200% increase, y'all. That's amazing. Um, And thank you, Kristen, for all your work on that. I also remember this week where Allison bounded in and said, I have had contact with 88 kids this week. And as we have restructured a little bit of things on Wednesday night, we now have space where parents can gather and build community in parents in the parlor. There's great strength in our family ministries right now. This time last year, we had just moved into Heinz. Now, usually, not on a holiday week. (laughs) Usually we are pushing maximum space in here. Also, now we have over 150 people regularly serving in Sunday morning on some capacity. We have welcomed 49 new members, including 16 professions of faith. Those are new believers, yes. And have had 12 baptisms. Last year, I don't have comparison on this. I don't have a comparison for a number of people that were regularly attending that were involved in ministry in some way, but this year it was 32%. 32% of the people who regularly attend are involved in mission and ministry and service in some way, which is phenomenal. And then we have also seen expansion of some of our ministries. We've seen expansion in hospitality and congregational care, for example. We also have new ministries that have popped up. We have more than 35 volunteers serving in schools. We have an environmental care team that is working towards greater stewardship of our earth. Uh, We have a missional prayer team that lifts up our community, our state, our nation every week. And then we have One Together, which is a group of single people who go out in service and then spend some time together um, in community as well. Those are just a few of the new things that have popped up and the new ways that people are involved in our church. And that one together group does kind of speak to our purpose, which is that we are one together. And I think we are placed well to meet these big crises that are present in our society. We are a place of purpose, a place where people find meaning. We see that in the new ministries that have arisen, in people stepping into existing ministries, into these expressions of call into ministry that we are experiencing. We are really seeing people step into this reality that they are beyond this moment 
and beyond themselves and part of something larger and more powerful. And we are a place of community and connection. We are all gathered in worship regularly, but we are also gathered in small groups and in groups where um, we walk alongside each other in life, where we extend love and welcome to all. And this year we are also designated as a beacon church, which means that we are a safe space for people who have been through disaffiliation and have been hurt They can come here and be nurtured and cared for. They can catch their breath and be loved in this place. And it is that designation as being a beacon that invites us to step further into the connection. We should continue to be a place that serves our community and seeks new ways of reaching others and to radically welcome all who come in our doors. But... I think we are also, because we are in a strong place now, we are also uniquely suited and called to be part of the connection in a profound way. And all we have to do is keep doing what we do, just make it more accessible if we can. So some of you have been asked to write for our Lenten devotional series. Everybody kept saying, don't you mean Advent? I'm like, no, I mean Lent, because... (laughs) We have to get this out in January because what I intended to do with this is we have a devotional, a study guide, videos, and a sermon plan all being prepared, and we're making it available free to any United Methodist Church. I started advertising this in the two weeks that I was gone. We have over 80 churches that have signed on to be part of this. Yes, yes, and... Uh, And they're everywhere from Toma, Wisconsin, to Tucson, Arizona, Charleston, Arkansas, to Charleston, South Carolina. Um, They they are so grateful. And there's a place to leave comments, and everyone's just saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. We needed this. In a time when our denomination is really having to look hard at what resources we have available, in a place where we're experiencing God's abundance, it would be the height of arrogance if we held on to that abundance. We are called to share and to give, and so we will do that. I also want to share with you that for the last few weeks, every other week I've been meeting with the former chancellor of the University of Arkansas, John White, over Zoom and recording it, and he and I are doing a podcast on the Gospel of John. He has written an entire commentary on the Gospel of John, so we just have a conversation every week. And the first episodes of that podcast should be releasing this week. And we will have that voice out there and available for people. So it'll be a resource on the Gospel of John for anyone who wants that as well. This is what we are called to do. We are called to be present in this moment, to be the connection in this moment, and to be the church, the whole church, in this time of need. And this, my friends, is also why I am so thankful for you. This community that has been brought together through the love of Christ. Your work comes from faith, your effort from love, your perseverance from hope. And I truly believe that you have been chosen for this moment to be an example for others because of the loving welcome you have to share with the whole world. You are called to be this people in this moment, and you can be because it is who you are. And so today, 
I am so thankful for you, First United Methodist Church of Bentonville. And I want you to know that I love you. And I always will. I'm a- Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace. Thank you.